Praise the Lord. Oh, I do this every time. Let's, let's try that again. Praise the Lord. Awesome, awesome. So good to see everyone here this morning. It's great to see you guys talking and visiting with one another. If you haven't said hello to the person next to you, say hello. Try the person in front. Yeah. Try the person behind you. Let's go ahead and cover all our bases. Praise the Lord. It is good to see everyone here this morning. If you're a guest with us this morning, thank you so much for being here. We are very confident of the grace, greatness of God. We believe that God can do tremendous things in your lives if you let him. Praise the Lord. If you're joining us by live stream, God can do something great for you as well. We have confidence in the greatness, magnitude of his mercy. Praise the Lord. I have a few things to talk to you about this morning. Uh, Tuesday, March 21st, we will have Tuesday morning prayer in the sanctuary at 10 a.m. And Monday, March 27th, begins youth camp registration. Praise the Lord. And April 2nd, I'm very looking forward to this, it will be our communion Sunday, and April 9th is, of course, Easter Sunday here at Grace. Praise the Lord. Do you love the Lord this morning? I know that's such a simple question. I know that everyone's going to say it. Can you stand to your feet? Can we lift our voices to God? Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning.
Everybody praise the Lord this morning. Everybody praise Him. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Blessed be the name of Jesus. This is one of those moments where you just don't want to ask God for anything. You just don't want to ask Him for anything. Just say, God, you've been amazingly good to me all of my life. And I just want to thank you. I want to praise you because you're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. Everybody clap your hands to the Lord today and let's praise Him again. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I have to applaud Grace Church and those moments here this morning where it seemed like most all of the music stopped and it was just the, the singer singing if you could stand up here sometimes where I stand and just hear the noise the, it's praise and worship coming from the chairs it's just absolutely amazing to hear people just not begging and crying asking God for stuff just hands lifted, hands clapping and saying, God, I love you dearly. God, I love you dearly. God, I just love you dearly. Thank the Lord. Let's love him again, shall we, everybody? Let's love the Lord here today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. As you return to your seats, you may be seated. should not interrupt nor interfere with the moving of God's presence what I'm about to do because what I'm about to do is exciting and amazing thank the Lord last Sunday we had such a wonderful wonderful just outpouring of the presence of the Lord and, uh, it's awesome when the Holy Ghost falls is it not thank the Lord we always enjoy just a great outpouring of the Holy Ghost, but even more than that, it's amazing when somebody is filled up for the very first time with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And our real cool and awesome Brother Keegan Starnes received the baptism of the Holy Ghost last Sunday. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. I just have to applaud all of the Storns boys, young men they're always dressed in their suits and neckties every Sunday morning. I think that is amazing. Thank the Lord. They look handsome and amazing. And, uh, and I guess Brother Keegan here receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost wraps it up for the Storm family. They are all filled with the Holy Ghost and rapture ready. He looks very comfortable up here, doesn't he? He isn't bothered by this a bit. Thank the Lord. I think I could probably hand him the microphone and he could probably preach a little while if he wanted to, it looks like, don't it? Keegan, we're real proud of you, buddy, that God filled you with the Holy Ghost and which I always do here at Grace Church. We want to give you this very nice certificate that says that you received the Holy Ghost on March the 12th, 2023. And congratulations, and we're happy for you, man. God bless you. You can return to your seat. You can return to your seat. Good man. Let's give the Lord some praise for that. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. I certainly applaud his brothers. Uh, I remember when Bryson was seeking for the Holy Ghost on several occasions. I watched Braylon just go get him. 
Let's go get him out of the chair and bring him up here. And you need to pray for the Holy Ghost. That happened several times. And when one of them is praying, the other two is going to be there. And I think that's a wonderful, wonderful, amazing thing. And I uh, love them very, very much. It's great to see everybody here this morning. Thank you all for being here. Along with Brother Ben, it's great to see everybody. Uh, if you're watching live stream, Facebook Live, what have you, welcome. We're so glad to have you uh, join us in this service. And there's a sovereign move of God going on here at Grace Church right now. There really is. This past Wednesday night, there was just a mighty outpouring of the presence of God for which I am so thankful. Thank the Lord. Appreciate the presence of the Lord so very much. And uh, without any further ado this morning, if you will stand in reverence to the man of God, we want to bring Brother Dave to the pulpit, the finest assistant pastor any pastor could ever have. Love this man dearly, have deep regard and respect for his walk with God, his love for the kingdom, and certainly his love for Grace Church. Let's give him some welcome as he comes to preach for us. brother and sister Murphy. Can we give pastor some honor today? What an honor. What an honor. Appreciate it. Love brother and sister Murphy so much. And uh, I don't know how much you know about the burden they carry for this church day in, day out, week in and week out. Brother and sister Murphy and God are doing good. They are doing a tremendous job with our church, and we give them honor today. Um, let's hasten to the Word of God today, Matthew chapter 25. While you're turning there, um, I'll just say that that last song, the really a medley of two songs that the praise team sang, is two of my favorite of the, of the newer songs we've been singing. And there's a verse that they left out, a bridge or something, of that, that one that just says, day and night, night and day, let incense arise. Day and night, night and day, let incense arise. And it just kind of felt like that's what we were doing today. Just sending up a sweet savor of praise and worship from the bottom of our heart to the God that we love, to the God that we adore, to the God that we serve. Never let our praise go silent. Never let our praise go silent. Let it be day and night, night and day. It seems to me like God always speaks to us here at Grace Church, um, but particularly so since the first of the year, the word that has gone forth over this pulpit, across this pulpit, especially from pastor, but from others as well, has been so direct and so targeted, so um, spot on, surgical, and I'm just going to wax bold and say by faith today will be no exception. I'm asking you to not only hear the word, but to assimilate the word. I want it to reach down deep in your soul and create life change today. This message I'm preaching, I've been uh, preached today. I've been preaching to myself for six to eight weeks. It has changed my life and it will change your life today if you will let it. Matthew 25, 14 through 30. A long reading, but uh, we are going to read it in its entirety. Jesus is speaking here. He's telling a parable and he begins, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, 
To every man according to his several ability. To every man according to his several ability. That just means individual, several there. So everyone to their individual ability. And straightway he took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that received two, he also gained other two. But he that received the one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents. He doubled his investment, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. I want to say in passing here, try to get to it by the end as time allows. To hear well done, you're going to have to be doing something. No, we're saved by grace. We don't do anything to earn our salvation. I get that part. But once you're born into the kingdom of God and receive the sal- obey the salvation message, I don't know how you're going to hear well done if you're not doing anything. It's just something to think about. Um, so the Lord said unto him, well done. 22, he also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee ruler over many. 24. Then he which had received the one talent. Everybody say one talent. Came and said, Lord, I know, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid. I was afraid. I went and hid my talent in the earth. And lo, there it is. All that you gave me, that whopping one talent, here it is. It's yours. And his Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knowest I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not straw. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury or with interest. Take the talent from him, give it unto him which hath ten talents. Notice verse 29. Here's our text. All of that to set up our text today. For unto, and then, so Jesus is kind of given the interpretation here. Unto one, unto everyone that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye that unprofitable, unprofitable servant into outer darkness, who shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I want to show you the J.B. Phillips modern translation. J.B. Phillips' translation came out in the 50s and 60s. I want to show you what he did with verse 29 because it adds so much uh, just uh, preciseness to our text today. Matthew 25, 29 in the J.B. Phillips' translation. For the man who has something will have more given to him and will have plenty. But watch this. As for the man who has nothing, Even his nothing, quote unquote, will be taken away. Now, Farah is an English language arts teacher. There are a host of educators here today. You're all educated people. I saw Sister Palmer come in. Good to see you, Sister Palmer. Sister Palmer was responsible for my middle school education. 
And so I don't want y'all to think that she didn't learn me how to talk good English today. My title is a double negative. I know it's a double negative, but I want you to stay with me. I want to preach to you today from this thought. It's not nothing. Look at your neighbor and tell him, say, it's not nothing. Lord Jesus, your presence is here. I pray to anoint the word. Anoint us to hear what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, God bless you. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We've been studying in the adult Sunday school class the parables of Jesus over these last few weeks. And uh, I'll invite you to come out at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning and study the parables of Jesus with us. This particular parable was one that was in our material and we, we should have taught on it in class. And I, I went, I, I dodged it every way I could. I stayed away from it. I've had this message burning on the inside. And no matter how I studied this parable to try to teach it from another angle, all I could see was my sermon. And, uh, and so here it is. We're getting it in sermon form today instead of, instead of classroom form. But Jesus, the Bible says, did not teach or he did not speak except in parables. And it's real easy to know what a parable is. They taught us this in Sunday school. A parable is just an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Real easy. So Jesus basically gave these analogies. He told these stories, and uh, there was a kingdom application to be gleaned from these stories. I told our class in Sunday school uh, the other day, uh, last Sunday, said, um, said in the 21st century when we're studying these parables, we kind of have to make a double leap. Because uh, we, have to, we have to read deeply and, and, and slowly and carefully to harvest the kingdom meaning. But we're so far removed now from the agrarian economy of the first century hearers of the parables originally that sometimes we have to kind of stop and, and interpret what they were doing in, just to begin with in the story. You know, a farmer went out to sow. Most of us can't really relate to going out and sowing seed like farmers do. So Matthew records this parable that I've read in your hearing today in which Jesus tells the story of this business owner, this rich man who invested some talents into his servants. So right there, we got to stop. You know, we got to define what a talent is. See, that's what I'm telling you. You have to read through these very carefully. A talent, of course, we think of, if I asked you today what a talent was, you would say, well, it's your giftings, your abilities, your, you know, your God-given calling, and it's all of those things, and that's certainly how... We'll apply it today. But strictly speaking, the talent was a monetary sum. It was a unit of money. Um, I believe it was Phillips in his translation that, that called, it, um, called it pieces of silver. Um, so it was money. It was an investment. This businessman, this owner said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some money to work with. I want you to do something with it. Let's see an increase. Let's see some profit from your business acumen. So the first guy, he got five talents, and he took that money and he invested it in Amazon stock in the mid-90s, and he stuck with it and doubled his money on a good investment. By the way, if you invested $10,000 in 1997 in Amazon, that was when they went public, $10,000 in 1997, at the end of 2022, you would have had $11.5 million. I remember the first time I heard Amazon. I was, it was the mid-90s. I was in college, and um, 
Somebody, I was in between semesters, had to sell my old textbooks, get my new ones, and somebody said, hey, if you log on to the internet and go to Amazon.com, they sell books. You can buy your textbooks. And being, you know, just so much wisdom and business acumen and understanding the future like I did, I said, well, I would appreciate it if you wouldn't talk to me in such technical terms, and uh, I will just go on down to the co-op bookstore and uh, trade in my books and have a whole lot of foresight there, I don't guess. The second guy invested in Tesla stock and sold before the Twitter takeover, and he took two talents and turned them into four. But the last guy did nothing. I want you to get that. He did nothing with what he had been given. He didn't even dabble in Bitcoin. He didn't go in for extreme couponing, nothing. He just buried that money. I'll put it like this. If you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. He did not invest that which had been invested in him. And of course, the business owner was angry and sentenced him to judgment. Here's the thing. At the end of the parable, verse 29, our text, Jesus inserts something new into the narrative. It's, it's, in my reading, it's almost like out of nowhere. Just all of a sudden there's this phrase, this word, this idea interjected into the story. And it gives us pause today to look at. Again, in uh, uh, Matthew 25, 29, Jesus said unto him that hath not. Philip said unto him that has nothing. And then uh, Phillips goes on to say, even his quote-unquote nothing, he puts it in quotes, even his nothing shall be taken away. Where did we get this nothing? How, how did we get to nothing? We were talking about a guy with five talents. We were talking about a guy with two talents. We were talking about a guy with one talent. Nobody in the story had nothing. Why are we all of a sudden talking about somebody who has not, somebody who has nothing, and even his nothing being taken away? I believe, and when I read this and saw where Phillips had put nothing in quotation marks, the whole thing, just God illuminated the whole thing. I believe it's the key to the whole parable. I believe God was giving us the, I believe Jesus was giving us the, um, the uh, interpretation. The whole story we know. As outside observers, we're, we're privy to some information, hearing the story that the one talent guy had one talent. We know that he had nothing. That's very clear in the story. That's not debatable. We know that. But then all of a sudden in 29, Jesus is turning it around and letting us have a glimpse inside of the one talent guy's mentality. It's not that he had nothing. He had one talent. But Jesus is letting us see that because this individual, the one talent servant, because he compared himself to the other two guys, he thought he had nothing. You gave the one guy five, you gave the other guy two, and I just get one? That's nothing. Why would I even try to do anything with one? There's nothing good that could come out of that. And he simply had the mindset that compared to everybody else, I have nothing to offer. And so guess what he did? Absolutely nothing. 
And this explains why so many apostolics, so many Christians, struggle to do something for the kingdom of God. We think we have nothing to offer. But what you have is not nothing. Are you ready? Because here we go. God has invested some things in all of us. Uh, a lot of things. Let me just say in passing, grace. He's invested grace in us. None of us would be here without the grace of God. God has invested His grace in your life. You've been invested, he's invested in you faith. Everybody has the measure of faith. Some, you know, we look at some people say they have a lot of faith. Some others say they don't have a lot of faith. But we all have a measure. Of faith, You wouldn't be here. The fact that you're here today, you have some measure of faith. God's put that in you. And we've all been invested with some talents, some gifting, some calling, some ministry. Uh, there, there's things unique to you that God has invested in your life. And that's, of course, our preaching point for today. So buckle up. Here we go. We're all unique. I was, uh, I, I was learned last week that we are, there's now 8 billion people in the world, Pastor told us. I didn't know that. I didn't know we were up to 8 billion. But has it ever occurred to you that out of the 8 billion people in this world, you are unique? Do you think that you are in the kingdom of God at this point in time with your unique qualities, your unique abilities by accident? Here's the problem. We think that if we're not behind this pulpit preaching, I'm coming for you today, so buckle up. Hang on. We think that if we're not standing over here holding a microphone and singing like this praise team just did so beautifully, we think that if we're not over here by this keyboard or on these guitars or on these drums or sitting over here with these gentlemen on the ministry team, we think that if we're, we've been programmed this way, that if we're not on the stage that we have nothing to offer. But I want to tell you today, what you have to offer the kingdom of God it is not nothing. It is not nothing. You better preach. You better teach that Sunday school class. You better lead that connect group. You better pray in that prayer room. Oh, yeah, you better work in that youth department. You better witness to your neighbor. It may not be on the stage. It may not be on live stream. But what you have to offer the kingdom of God, it's not nothing. Oh, if you believe that, would you clap your hands by faith today? It's not nothing. You have something to offer the kingdom of God. Your prayer, your ability to stay faithful, your ability to just keep showing up, your ability to keep praying, your ability to keep uh, interceding and exerting faith for a situation. It's not nothing. I'm going to ask, if you would, help me out here. Students, would you stand for just a minute? We'll take just a minute here. I want you all to look at these students. Aren't they awesome? These students show up at 9 o'clock every Sunday morning for prayer. We did today. Today was no exception. Now, some of them, they're more awake than others. Some of them are more fervent than others. But they're there, and they're praying. And we're there, and we're praying. And, and I know that you know, we've been doing, we started the, the Sunday after camp meeting last year. So we're, 
we're way into it now. We're, we're, we'll be coming up on a year here before too long. This has become our, our, our routine, our habit, our, our investment. And, and we pray every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. And I know that sometimes it's hard to get up and get down there to prayer. Last Sunday was a real challenge with the time change. We were all feeling it. But they come, and they're faithful, and they never miss. Ninety percent of these kids or these students are here every Sunday for prayer. And I know it gets tiring, and I know sometimes it gets it, it, it's hard to get here. And you think, what a, you know, do I have to pray again? And Brother Dave and Sister Fair encouraged me to pray. Do I have to do all that? I want you to know your prayers are not nothing. I want you to know your prayers matter. I want you to know you're investing in eternity. I want you to know they impact this service. I want you to know they impact this community. They impact this ministry. Your prayers are not nothing. Be seated, students. Thank you so much. Parents, if you help on Friday nights and on Sunday mornings, would you stand? Just real quickly. We're not going to linger here long. All the parents and leaders, even our, our adult helpers, these parents, these leaders, these adults, Friday nights and Sunday mornings, they make sure these kids have something to eat and, and, and that they have a good meal and they get creative with it. They spontaneously put together a team. They spontaneously put together a, a rotation and all that to make sure the kids can come down here and have fun on Friday nights and eat and they can come up here on Sunday mornings and pray and eat. I want to tell you, adults and parents, uh, parents and adults and leaders, it's not Nothing. You don't know what your investment in these students is doing. You don't know how eternity will be impacted by what you're doing. You don't know what a difference you're making in the lives of these students. Thank you, parents. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands, church. And we could spend the balance of our time talking about everybody in our church. I'll, I'll have to stop there. But let me say thank you, Connect Group leaders. Thank you, Sunday school teachers. Thank you, security team. Thank you, ushers and hosts. Thank you, serve team. Thank you, media. It's not nothing. It's not nothing. You're impacting the kingdom of God. And every revival that we have, every move of God that we have, it's because you're investing in the kingdom of God. Don't underestimate the power of your contribution. Do not underestimate the power of your contribution. I'm so thankful Pastor preached about RISPA uh, uh, Wednesday night. If you, if you did not hear that message, you go back this week and listen to that online. It was amazing. The, we, we underestimate the power of an individual. We like to talk about Saul who slayed his thousands. David is 10,000. Samson uh, killing Philistines right and left. Moses leading people out, uh, uh, leading the children of Israel out of the uh, promise, uh, out of Egypt to the promised land. We talk about all those folks, but we, we overlook the minor, quote unquote, minor uh, 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 characters in the Bible like Rizpah. What she did was not nothing, keeping those beasts uh, of prey off of those boys uh, with her intercession was not nothing. People uh, such as Hannah, who was barren, she could have no children, yet she earnestly prayed and sought God, and God gave her a baby by the name of Samuel. You say, all she did was pray, all she did was get a little desperation about her, and she finally had a son. But, but without Hannah, there would be no Samuel, and if, if there was no Samuel, who would have anointed David king? If there was no Samuel, who would have pastored David in that sense without a little woman named Hannah? 
What about the lad with his lunch? All he had was five loaves and two fishes. And the disciples said, what is that little bit among so many? Yet Jesus took that bread and he broke it and he took that fish and divided it. And those, those disciples were picking up 12 baskets full. And I just can't help but think that Jesus wanted to say, I told you, fellas, it's not nothing. I told you it's not nothing. What is so little? What is so little when the need is so great? In the hands of the master, it's not nothing. It's not nothing. All you got to do is give God just a little bit and he'll work with it. All you got to do is give God just a little bit and he'll multiply it. Oh, I wish Grace Church would get a hold of this today. Don't underestimate the power of what you have. And besides that, it's not even by your power anyway. It's by the power of the Holy Ghost. Can I go ahead and preach for just a minute? Acts chapter 2. The Holy Ghost was poured out. Peter gave us the keys to the kingdom, how to be born again, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Over 3,000 people experienced that message that day. And that takes us to Acts chapter 3. Peter and John are on their way to church, and they pass a lame man who had been lame since birth, the Bible says. And he's begging alms. He's asking them for just a little something to help him. That's how he made his living. That's how he got by in life all those years, just asking alms of people, lame from his mother's birth. And I, if you go back and read careful, I love how Peter approaches the situation. He's very, he's very intense. He's very earnest. He looks, the Bible says, steadfastly at the man. And then he tells the man, he says, look on us. And I, I mean, my imagination, man, I'm just like, Peter's like, you look at me, buddy. You look at me. My dad used to say, look at me, Buster. I don't know who Buster is, but... Look at me, Buster. And, uh, and I think in that moment, Peter is sizing up the I mean, all in just a, a second, a moment. He's all sizing it up. He's getting, the, he's getting the lay of the land. Here's a lame man. He's begging alms. And Peter's thinking, man, he's, he's like, man, I don't have any money. I'm not a doctor. I can't get this guy to a doctor. I can't pay for him to have surgery. I can't do any of those things. And then Peter's mind goes back to all those miracles of Jesus. And then he remembers that Jesus said, greater works than, you, than these shall you do. And then he remembers Acts chapter 2 and that experience he had where they were endued with power from on high. And he looks at that lame man and he tells that lame man, he says, look at us. Look at us. And he says, silver and gold have I none. But what I have is not nothing. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the Bible says he leaped up and gave God the glory. The power of God on the inside of you is not nothing. The power of God has equipped you and it's not nothing. The power of God that you have down on the inside to win people to the Lord, to let the love of God flow through you, to see signs and wonders, it's not nothing. Oh, somebody ought to get a hold of this today. We just have to do something with what we have. We just have to put it in action. God bless you. You may be seated. The Bible says the people who know their God shall be strong 
and shall do exploits. You just have to do something with what you have. You may not have thousands of converts to your credit. You may have never preached a crusade. You may have never stood on this pulpit or this platform, preached behind this pulpit. You may have never sung a solo with a choir. Neither did Leroy and Mildred Alexander. Fair and I got to visit with Brother Mark and Sister Judy and um, Leanne, thank you, and Leanne yesterday at Brother Robert's funeral. This is uh, Brother Sister Alexander's son and daughter-in-law and granddaughter. And I told him, I said, I'm preaching at Grace tomorrow, and I've got the Alexanders in my notes. I said, we don't let too many services go by without talking about the Alexanders. If you had walked in our church in Baker way back then, you would have probably walked right past them. They were, can I use this term? They weren't flashy in the sense that we talk about, you know, up, up front and all that. They sat right back there on the back row almost every service, every service. And you would have probably walked right by them looking for the preacher and looking for the service leader and looking for the praise team and whatever. You know, wondering if the, pre, if the pastor was going to shake your hand. A lot of people didn't know it back then. The story's been told more now. Pastor just, just excels at telling the story better than I can. But all those years before the Murphys came and were voted in as pastor, the Alexanders didn't preach a crusade. They didn't sing a solo. They didn't, they didn't you know, get on Facebook and do some kind of mass market drive to, to do a, a big rally outside the church. They just stayed Imagine what it's like to go to church and you're it, brother and sister Alexander and sister Cassie, three people. And they gather around that piano and pray for a piano player, gather around the pulpit, pray for a pastor. They'd sing a few songs, sister Mildred would give a, a little Bible study, say a prayer, and they'd go home. Service in, service out. Service in, service out. That was it. At some point, nobody would have blamed them for closing the door and going home. Everybody would have just said, you did the best you could with what you had. But the Alexanders chose to stay faithful. And the fact that we're all here today in this beautiful building, feeling the presence of God today, is testament to the fact that what the Alexanders did was not nothing. It was not nothing. Their faithfulness, their prayer, their faith, their ability to stay with it was not nothing. So I tell you, go ahead and lead a connect group. Go ahead and teach a Bible study. Go ahead and stay faithful. Go ahead and come to prayer meeting with your family. Go ahead and, and, and release your faith. Go ahead and dare to dream big. Go ahead and dare, go ahead and, and, and dare to ask God for some great things in your life. It's not nothing. We, um, most of you know, we, we spent nine months, uh, uh, Associates and Missions appointment in Ireland, from 2008, 2009, May, this May will be 15 years since we went to Ireland. Uh, we have not talked about it in years. And uh, Marty, the other night we were together and Marty politely listened to my Ireland stories. He was, 
made me feel so good. I don't think he was interested, but he made me feel like he was interested. He's a good conversationalist in that respect. If I had it to do over, we went, well, let me tell you this. We went to Ireland. We had an infant, a two-year-old, and a 16-year-old who was our niece that we adopted. Family of five. My 46-year-old self would tell my 30-year-old self not to do it. But my 30-year-old self wouldn't have listened anyway, so it all works out. It doesn't matter. We were going to change the world. We sold out. We sold out. We kept our minivan only because my father-in-law was a mechanic. He said, if you'll, if you'll let me keep, uh, drive it, I'll keep it running. Fair enough. Everything else we sold out. We were going for life. It was a nine-month appointment, and we had to come home. At the end of the appointment, instead of renewing it due to extenuating family circumstances out of our control. And this is the deal. Nobody has ever asked me, not pastor, not foreign missions, not fellow peers in the ministry, not you, not my family. Nobody has ever asked, what did you accomplish in Ireland on your mission trip? Nobody's ever asked me that. And I'm glad. Because all I could tell you is that one girl got the Holy Ghost and was baptized in Jesus' name. That's all I can tell you. We didn't set Ireland on fire. We didn't have a Holy Ghost crusade like Brother Billy Cole, where 10,000 got the Holy Ghost in one day. Let me tell you Jelaine's story. Give me that first picture, media team. Somebody in this picture is Irish. You have three guesses. <laughs> On the left-hand side, that's Ashley McFarland. That's Brother and Sister McFarland's daughter. This is 2008, by the way. These, I had to go digging in the archives. The young man on the right is Nathaniel Davis. That's the McFarland's nephew. He was there for a summer missions trip. His dad pastored in Evansville, Indiana. Uh, Nathaniel, very talented. He helped us so much in music and singing and playing and all of that stuff. Good man. Uh, in the middle there is Jelaine, our Irish convert. That's Jelaine. You may notice from Nathaniel's body language that he had more interest in Jelaine than just her soul salvation. <laughs> the young lady on the bottom left screen, just so you know, is Elena Bunch. And she had more hair at six months than I do at 46 here today. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's Jelaine. Let me tell you about Jelaine. So when we got to Ireland, we, went, we were there three months before the McFarlands were able to come. They were detained in the States due to health reasons. He, he told me, he said, Dave, he called me David back then. That's why I went by David instead of Dave. He said, David, just open the doors. Nathaniel will sing. You preach. Just get something going. Just have church. Just do something. And at the beginning, there was nobody there. The way that worked, you know, you have to kind of rekindle it because the missionaries had been gone. And it was sparse. We had just two or three men that, that had come back, and that was it. One Sunday morning, I was preaching, uh, just giving it my best, you know, doing what we could, what we had. Not a lot of people there. Just, Lord, take this and do something with it. And Kyle and Lynn Harvey walked in, Jelaine's mom and dad. And they filled up a whole row. Man, they had kids from, two, uh, from six months up to like 22 years age. I mean, they had a whole, they were a church in a box, buddy. They had the whole thing. And, they, they, and you talk about excited, son. 
man, my preaching went up just a little notch there. And we got connected with them, got going, and uh, the summer passed. And Jelaine started coming around. They started coming around, faithful to the church, good people. Uh, we're glad to get to know them. And uh, about the time the McFarlands came back, it was late summer, early fall that year, September, I'd say, something like that. And we, would have, we had a Wednesday night Bible study at 7.30, but at 7 o'clock we would, we would have, um, we would have uh, prayer, pre-service prayer. And this particular Wednesday night we got praying at 7 o'clock. I looked down at my watch, it was 7.30, and the prayer showed no signs of stopping. Long story short, we went up praying all the way through the, what would have been the service, and somewhere in that prayer meeting God got a hold of Jelaine. And God filled her up with the Holy Ghost. Just like Acts chapter 2, speaking in tongues as the Spirit gave the others. Filled her up with the Holy Ghost and changed her life. Brother McFarland baptized her in Jesus' name. And she became our first convert. She became our only convert. And we came home 2009. And I'm going to tell you, I felt so defeated. Can I be that honest today? Felt so defeated. All of that selling out, the effort toddler, the infant, the teenager, the work, the, all of it, raising the money for one 16-year-old girl, not minimizing anybody's salvation. And one soul saved is awesome, praise God. But I would have liked to have come back and talked about the thousand. That was the story in 2009. But that's not the end of the story. As the years have progressed, I've gotten a whole new picture on that little missions trip to Ireland. Go ahead and show me the next picture. Sure enough, Nathaniel and Jelaine got married, moved over to uh, Evansville, Indiana, began to assist Nathaniel's dad there in Evansville, Indiana, in, in ministry. So proud of them. Doing a, they did a great job. But it wasn't long after that. It wasn't long after that. They began feeling the call to go back to Jelaine's home country of Ireland as missionaries and to work that field in ministry. Next picture, please. Now they've got another Davis on the way. That's why his hand's on her belly. Uh, now they are the pastors of the Pentecostals of Dublin. It's not nothing. It's not nothing. It's not nothing. It's not nothing. Anything that this couple does in Ireland, our fingerprints are there. Our effort is there. We con uh, contributed in some sort of way to what God will do through their ministry to reach the country of Ireland. I was scanning through their Facebook page the Pentecostals of Dublin. Look them up when you get home. You'll see Nathaniel preaching every Sunday. Uh, Pentecostals of Dublin. But they, there's somebody, I don't know who it is, some woman. I don't know who she is. She posted on the Facebook page. This is what she said. Quote, said, so tonight at church, this girl, Jelaine Davis, came to me at altar call. She asked if I was okay. And I literally had no words. I just grabbed her and nodded. She, Jelaine, then began to pray over me everything, all caps, everything I've been praying about for the last several months. 
All I could do was bawl like a baby. I just sat there, tears pouring down my face. In awe of how God, a good God is, he just knew I needed a hug and a prayer. Jelaine Davis. Jelaine Davis, the little 16-year-old girl that walked in and got the Holy Ghost on a Wednesday night, and we were out back out in the United States three or four months later. Never talked to her again, didn't know how it turned out. Jelaine Davis ministering to souls. Jelaine Davis praying over souls. Jelaine and Nathaniel Davis pastoring in Dublin. I'm telling you, effort for God is not nothing. Little is much when God is in it. If you'll just give Him your little bit, if you'll just give Him a little bit, He can take it. He can anoint it. He can use it to move the kingdom of God forward. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, I, I need to bring this in. Uh, I want to make it a little, bring it a little closer to home. And, uh, and I'll make it, I'll, I'll go quickly here. But uh, Most of you know that Steve Budge, the guitar player over here, is my brother. Now, I don't, I don't admit that in public very often, but for the sake of this illustration, hallelujah, hallelujah, praise God. Steve is an extremely talented musician. I've seen him wailing away on that guitar, and then he'll just sling it behind his back and go stand and do something on the keyboard, click a mouse, get something going on. the. And that's not all. His father-in-law was bragging to me yesterday. I thought, my Lord, this guy can do everything. His father-in-law's bragging on him. That's something right there. So I started feeling a little jealous, really. It's like, man, this is a man who can do it all. But he can build, he can, what, like woodwork. I was going to say carve. That ain't it. But cut and put together. I don't even know what you call it. And he can do it. But Anyway, he has invested all of that into the kingdom of God. His talents, his gifting, what was the, invested in him. But, but here's the thing, and this is what I want you to get. It's not all about being on the stage. It's not all about being up here. It's not all about uh, being in the, in the lights and all that stuff. Steve's neighbor, Adam, <clears throat> he, um, he, he came down with cancer, very sick. And uh, Steve took a burden for him, got a burden for him, took a liking to him, began to minister to him, texting him, bringing him food, praying with him, reaching out to him. Adam's story is very tragic. In the middle of all that sickness, he lost his family and was really down to absolute nothing. Except Steve, honestly. And uh, Steve just began ministering to him, reaching out to him. <clears throat> Last fall, Steve had a connect group meeting at his house. Invited Adam. By, by now, Adam's well, recovered from cancer. Adam comes over. We all got to meet him. Daniel, you were there. Brian was there. Some of these guys. We got to meet Daniel. Talk about a likable man. Easy to talk to. Fun to be around. Wonderful man. And we just thought, man, he's connecting here with this connect group. Man, who knows? We started praying for him, see what God will do in his life. You just never know. <clears throat> right around the Christmas holidays, Steve got the word that Adam's cancer had come back with a vengeance. And, and Steve got a text on Christmas Day, Christmas Day, that Adam was in ICU, connected to all kinds of machines and tubes. And this is what I want you to understand. The guitar player, the talented one. The man that knows music like you, he speaks music like you speak English. As soon as his family got done opening presents on Christmas Day, all that, you know, ministry takes a rest on Christmas Day. We don't do ministry on Christmas Day. Don't want to do that. As soon as he got done on Christmas Day, 
Steve got in his truck, ran up to the hospital. He said he looked at Adam laying there in ICU. He said, Adam, I'm here to pray for you. Do you mind if I, do you mind if I pray for you? Adam couldn't speak because of all the tubes. And Adam looked him right in the eye and just nodded. Yes, please pray. Steve prayed for him right there uh, on Christmas Day in ICU. Well, Steve came back and over the begin, in the beginning of this year, several times had prayer for Adam. We prayed for Adam. We interceded for Adam. We had special prayer for Adam. Pray for him. God saw fit to take Adam into eternity, uh, lost his battle with that disease. And so we're tempted to stay, to stay here today, stand here today, and try to judge and adjudicate. Well, did Steve do any good? Was his prayer answered? Where, where is Adam today? Was he saved? What, you know, what's the story on Adam? I don't know. I'm not here to make that call. I can't judge. I don't know what transpired between Adam and God before his life was over. But what I do know is that what Steve Bunch did for Adam was not nothing. What I do know is that when you go and pray for somebody in the middle of your Christmas plans, it's not nothing. What I do know is when you reach out to your neighbor, it's not nothing. What I do know is that when you do it for the least of these, it's not nothing. Oh, I wish somebody at Grace Church would say, I'm going to do something with what I have, with where I am. I'm not going to wait for the door to open. I'm not going to wait for the pastor to call. I'm not going to wait for the next opportunity. I will do what I can with what I have, where I'm at. Oh, would somebody get the burden today? You may be seated. I'm concluding. I'm concluding. Uh, musicians, would you come? The revival we are having that pastor preached about Wednesday night will, come, will continue and will come even stronger when each of us begin doing that singular thing that only we can do, that we are uniquely equipped and called in the kingdom of God. Your ministry won't look like mine. But it's not nothing. My harvest won't look like yours. But it's not nothing. And if we can stay faithful with what God has entrusted in us, it will add up to a wave of apostolic ministry that will sweep this church, sweep this community, sweep this uh, metroplex, and will bring the kingdom of God to earth. I teach grace steps uh, and this is why I, I teach Grace Steps, and the third lesson is on giftings and personality. And this is why we want everybody in Grace Church to uh, to know your gifting, to know your place in the kingdom of God. And in that in that class, that third class, we also talk about personality type. And there's four types: there's there's lion, otter, golden retriever, and beaver. The otters, like myself, are very inspired by preaching like today, just, just the, the concept, conceptual ideas will inspire us. The lions also, very much inspired by preaching like this and, uh, and conceptually uh, just inspiration. That's the word I'm looking for. The golden retrievers and the beavers, you want a little more substance. You, you, want, you want just a couple inspirational stories. You need an owner's manual. Uh, you need instruction. You need something you can say, yes, this is it. I can hold on to this and take this home with me. So for them, but for us all, it's more this call to use our talent, this call to invest our talent is more than just inspiration. 
It's more than me just getting up and giving us a pep talk. You are accountable for the talent that's been invested in you. You're not accountable for the five that's invested in somebody else. You're not accountable for the one or for the two invested by you. You're accountable for what's been invested in you. The one talent servant was not an error because he only had one talent. That wasn't a problem. He was an error because he did nothing with it. And when you stand before God, he's not going to ask you if you ever sang a solo or played a keyboard. He's not going to ask you if you had a million soul revival. He's not going to ask you if you ever went to a crusade with Billy Cole in Ethiopia. He's going to ask you what you did with your talent. He's going to ask you with what you did with what you have been equipped to do. And how you fulfill that one way or the other will predicate whether or not you hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. I have that in our text. I alluded to it when we read our text. And if you go on and read the rest of 25, we'll go all into it now. In fact, stand with me if you will. With, uh, please stand with me if you will. We'll go into all of it now. But Jesus, he, he continued and he said, those that, I'm summarizing, those that will hear well done are those that, that saw me when I was hungry and fed me. They saw me when I was thirsty and gave me drink. They saw me when I was naked and clothed me. They saw me when I was sick and they ministered to my sickness. And they will say, Lord, when did we see you in that state or those states? And he's going to say, when you did it to the least of these, you did it unto me. So I'm here to tell you today, if you're filled up, Understand and realize the full value of those words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have an accountability today. You have an accountability today, what God's done for you or what God's put into you. And so I'm preaching today that if we would all do our part, if we would all invest our talent, whatever it may be, we would see a revival like we've never seen before. Would you come today and let's pray about this? If you need the Holy Ghost today, the life-changing message of the gospel is still the same. Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. You shall receive the Holy Ghost. But if you have the Holy Ghost today, it's time to go deeper. It's time to do a little more. It's time to realize that I'm accountable for what God has invested in me. Church, let's do that. Would you make a commitment today? Would you, would you just let the Lord know, God, I'm willing. I don't care where it is or what it is. It may be great. It may be small. It may be overseas. It may be right here. It may be my neighbor, Lord. It may be somebody in my Sunday school class. It may be my connect group. But, Lord, I'm willing. Lord, I'm willing. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Would you pray along that line, Grace Church? Would you pray along that line? Oh, God, I'm praying right now over this congregation. I'm praying right now over this body of believers. God, unleash an unfathomable an unquenchable passion, Lord, to invest our talents. God, unleash an unquenchable faith that, Lord, if we will do our part, you will meet us more than halfway. Little is much when God is in it. Oh, God, would you empower us? Oh, God, would you equip us? Oh, God, would you multiply our investment today? In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. i
you have never 